You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Fair Play, Chloe DeMont. How did I get so lucky? Are you talking about me or your job? Okay, hey, sorry. We're getting married. We're getting married. I wish we could tell the whole world. We're gonna have to tell them sooner than later. Morning. Morning. I think it's the right time to admit we're breaking policy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. I am the owner, editor-in-chief of NextBestPicture.com, Matt Negley, and I'm being joined here today by the writer-director for the new film, Fair Play, from Netflix, Chloe DeMont. Chloe, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to have you here. I've been dying to talk about this film since January, where I saw it at the Sundance Film Festival. I thought it was just such a intense pot boiler of a movie with some dynamite performances a, like really really solid direction and writing from you as well uh so this is definitely a thrill for me <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> so tell me about first and foremost uh the genesis of the project in terms of where the idea came from what was on your mind at the time was there a particular story or experience something that influenced you to want to talk about these themes of gender dynamics within the workplace and also too just this insane uh, a battle of wills of establishing power between these yeah. two characters. Well, yeah, I would say the the real kernel of the idea came to me um, at a time in my life when um, my career started to take off and um, my success didn't feel like a total win. It felt like a loss on some level. Um, and it was because of the, the relationships I, I, I was in. And, um, you know, and um, these were relationships, you know, with men um, who adored me for my success, you know, adored me for my ambition, adored me for my talent, you know, adored me for for all my strengths. But at the same time, there was still this feeling that me being big on some level made them feel small. Mm. And this was never anything that was spoken about. It was just felt, you know, and 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 in a way like I normalized it they normalized it and um and it, it just i felt like you know relationship after relationship um the, it was still that kind of dynamic was still there on some level you know some more subtle some more explicit um but it just had me thinking you know uh, how much hold these ingrained power dynamics still have over us today um and um i think given like the climate you know the fact that you know, it's not anything that we can talk about. You know, I think that that just kind of makes it worse. It's like, you know, um, my male partners would never want to admit that that was, you know, <laughs> that that's how they felt or that's what was really going on. Because what would it say about them? You know, and mm -hmm. and it's not anything that I ever would ever want to admit because what would that say about me? Um, so um, it it just got to a point where um, this this feeling that I was having and normalizing it just kind of became untenable for me and. Um, and it just became clear that this was the story that that I should I should tell. And um, and so, um, yeah, it's it's something that I that I sat down finally uh, to to talk about um, and um, and, you know, uh, push it as far as it could possibly go. <laughs> Absolutely. And your career had been building up to this point because you had done a couple of shorts, you had worked in television. So the time had come for you to do a feature uh, film, this being your directorial debut, one of the strongest of 2023, no doubt in my mind for that. I watched this um, amongst a sea of other films at Sundance, and I just immediately thought to myself, wow, 
that really just stood out. I knew that somebody would buy it. I knew it would be well received right then and there. I mean, I don't know if you were in the room, but I, I will never forget yeah. the applause when Emily drops the knife uh, and it goes <laughs> to the credits at the end. It was insane. Sorry, were you there for the Friday screening? Is that the screening you're talking about, or was whatever it... the world premiere was yeah, the first okay, screening yeah. of Sundance? Yeah, 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 no, that's that screening was bonkers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just, it was a, but uh, yeah, no people. I mean, the people. What I was most surprised with was was um, how much people were laughing out of discomfort, you know, yes. throughout the film, and and um, we've had a little bit of that in previous kind of test screenings that we did, but. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, no, it, it was a, it was an incredibly exciting screening, and uh, I'll never I'll never forget it. <laughs> so, uh, just out of curiosity, in terms yeah. of the journey of this movie, then yeah. because this is being released by Netflix, so people will be mostly watching it at home. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously, it would still has been seen in theaters. I know it just recently played at the Toronto International Film Festival. Do you, do you just take the the mindset, the mentality of? I just want my film to be seen and I know it's going to be seen by millions of people through Netflix. So like, what's your take on the streaming versus theatrical aspect of it all? Um, well, you know, I mean, I just felt like, you know, Netflix, they just, um, they were going to get behind this film with everything they had and, and, and champion it and, and trying, you know, and get it out there with, um, you know, and the fact that they have such an incredible global reach, you know, I knew that, that um, I just I wanted as many people to see this film as possible so that, yeah. you know, that was definitely a huge factor. Um, but also, you know, they were they were offering us, um, you know, a theatrical element, too. So I didn't feel like there was a compromise there. And, uh, you know, the film is coming out in theaters um, on September 29th and, and it'll stay in theaters as long as people continue to go see it. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think what was what was exciting is that people have that option if they want to see it in a cinema, they have that option. And if they want to see it at home, you know, it, it's going to have that the, the that access. So, yeah. And they're great people. I've worked with them on numerous titles before. And you're right. Yeah. When they have something that they fully believe in, they put all their might behind it and it gets seen. And that's a beautiful thing here because yeah. I think your film has a lot of important things to say here um, mm -hmm. in terms of its themes. Obviously, it's coming from a personal place, like you said before. But mm -hmm. I do want to uh, talk about the casting here, um, yeah. mostly because these two roles of Emily and Luke, there has to be such inherent trust amongst these two actors to go to the places that these two characters go to in this movie. I'm curious to know who was cast first and how did then the other ultimately, like, how did you figure out that they were right for each other as a pairing and that they were going to have that trust to be able to go to these, you know, these dark places? Mm-hmm. I mean, the casting, it, it kind of happened simultaneously. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, that was important because, um, because like, you know, like you said, if it's, they had to, we have to believe them. I mean, as a couple, we have to believe uh, that they're a loving couple. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the casting kind of happened si simultaneously, but um, in terms of Phoebe, I was, um, I, I, I was looking for, you know, someone who was a rising star because I felt like the character of Emily was a rising star in the world of finance. So I was looking for an actor that that had that same quality that, you know, um, um, hadn't quite broken through, you know, uh, just yet, you know, in, in, in the film space. But she had a lot of buzz coming off of Bridgerton. And mm -hmm. uh, so I watched the pilot and 
I just, I couldn't take my eyes off her. I think that she's just, she's a, she's an actor that has this, you know, she's incredibly magnetic on screen and, um, and, uh, and she's, she's, you know, such a versatile, um, strong actor and, and she's so present and she's so dialed in and, and there's a vulnerability there, um, and a warmth, but also a fierceness. And I feel like that was, that that's those qualities, you know, Emily is both, you know, that she is someone who has a lot of love to give, who is incredibly warm, but also she's a killer, you know, and it's that duality that was really important to me. And, 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 uh, you know, the person that, you know, I, I chose, uh, for Emily and, and Phoebe had that, you know, and, and, um, so, and then when we spoke, it was just, it was, it was just, I mean, it was a no brainer. I mean, she, she was my Emily as soon as like we took the meeting and, and the, you know, the way that she had, you know, personally related to the film too, you know, was, was, was another element. Um, and then in terms of Alden, I mean, he, I'd been a fan of his since Hail Caesar. I just yeah. think he, you know, from that film, he's by far one of the most exciting young actors, you know, um, and out there. So I was really excited when he responded to the script um, and when we met and, you know, for me in terms of like the qualities of Luke, um, it needed someone to be incredibly charming, you know, uh, that you, that you really love in the beginning, you know, and that you can also empathize with as they're going through their journey and, and struggling, you know, a bit. And, um, uh, cause I wasn't, you know, I wasn't here to make a clear villain or, you know, a clear hero. I was, you know, I was looking to kind of, at times lean into the gray as much as possible. You know, obviously at a certain point in the film, there is a clear line that's drawn. I was in the say. <laughs> yes. No. But I think up until that point, you know, I still wanted us to be able to empathize, you know, with, with, with some of his pain. I think, you know, the character of Luke, it's like he, you know, he is someone he's, he's, I think an example of a certain generation of men caught in the middle between wanting to adhere to a modern feminist society you know, but still having been raised on traditional ideas of masculinity, you know, mm. but that doesn't make him a bad guy. Um, and it's like he 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 genuinely, you know, wants to support Emily and is happy, you know, for her. But at the same time, he's wired a certain way. And so there are certain feelings inside of him that that he's trying to kind of push down and deal with. But but unfortunately, uh uh, it, it's, it's something that, that he doesn't know how to, you know, kind of respond to. And, 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 and so it starts to kind of fester as a poison, but I just felt like Alden, he was, I mean, he's such an incredibly strong actor that I knew that he, he could, he could dig into, you know, um, that kind of opposition, you know, the opposition of, of, uh, you know, wanting to, to love her and support her, but also, um, you know, being, dealing with some of these things that, that are incredibly painful and and then come out in, in really poisonous ways. Um, and then also I think what was important to me too, was that, um, I knew it was going to take a very confident man to play that level of insecurity. Yeah. And uh, Alden, just when meeting with him, I mean, he's incredibly confident. He's incredibly comfortable with who he is and his own skin. And and he was just he was just ready to commit to to this role. Speaking of confident men, yeah. I have been saying for years now that Eddie Marzen is a chameleon actor who can literally do anything: comedy, yes. <laughs> yeah. drama, big role, small role, doesn't matter. He is yeah. just unbelievable so when i saw him in this i instantly knew oh 
this is going to be this is before I saw the film. I instantly knew, oh, Eddie's in this. This is going to be good. And then when I saw the type <laughs> of character he was playing in this, I yeah. thought to myself, well, this shouldn't come as a surprise because he can literally do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was his audition uh, process like or was he suggested to you? How did he come aboard? Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. So he's been one of my favorite character actors forever. Um, yeah. You know, just, I, I think I, I I just think he's brilliant. And um, and what so he was he was he was at the top of my list. Um, but I nice. think what excited me most about Eddie for this is I'd never seen him do anything like this before, you know, and uh, uh, I think there were other names on the list where it just felt more obvious, you know, that kind of, you know, these actors that have played those kind of power players before. And that just wasn't very interesting to me. Um, I love to cast against type. Um, I just feel like that that's that's the most exciting thing. And so, um, uh, yeah, I was just I was just very drawn to Eddie for for that reason. But I think most importantly, like what I love about him and his performances is like his performances always keep you on the edge because he has this this unhinged kind of danger, you know, element to him and this electricity in his eyes where you never know what he's going to do or say. And um, I just thought that 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 was, uh, you know, a, a, a perfect, you know, um, characteristic, you know, for for the role of Campbell to have that element of danger, you know, from that kind of figure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Eddie was basically, he, he was my number one from the beginning. And then coming, like I was saying earlier from the world of television shorts, what is the one thing that you were most confident about heading into the film? And what was the one thing that you would say was either unexpected or you knew was going to be a challenge, uh, heading into the project, this being, like I said, the first feature film that you worked on? Um, I mean, I think the most challenging part always, no matter what you're doing is writing. I just think writing is the hardest part. Um, I think directing is nothing but thrilling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even with all of its challenges, um, I, I just, yeah, directing is your playground and, um, and you, you know, you're supported, you have your collaborators there when you're writing, you're alone in the forest and it's all you. And, um, and you can go down a trail with like a squeaky little lantern and, you know, for days or weeks, and then you hit a boulder and you realize, okay, this is not the direction I should be going. Then you have to go all the way back. You know what I mean? And <laughs> so it's, uh, I find writing to be, you know, uh, uh, it's, it, it has its moments of joy, you know, absolutely. But it, 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 it can be an incredibly painful, you know, process, um, as well, um, uh, but you know, I, that's what I'm here for. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell my own stories and make my own films. So, you know, that's just, you know, this is the life I chose. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just felt like writing this, writing the script was, was, was by far the, the hardest part and the most challenging part. Um, when we got to actually shooting, I never felt more comfortable and more confident and more in my own skin because I was finally telling a story 
you know, that was mine when I've worked in TV. It's, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for those experiences. I, I think those have been invaluable um, just in terms of like, you know, honing my skills and, and, uh, and getting to work in different genres and all of that. But those, those aren't my stories, you know, that's not my baby. So, um, I'm, I was just, I was just so ready to, to tell my own story and, and make my own film. I mentioned earlier, this is a pop boiler. It really gets to a point where if that thing is steaming, it's ready to explode. And I want to know just how does one chart the course of stakes being raised, tension being built throughout the course of an entire film, because it has to crescendo by the time you get to back to the apartment at the very, very end of the film. Does that happen in the writing process? Does it happen through the performance? Does it happen through editing? Does it happen through all three? Yeah, I would say it, if it's not on the page, it's not there. So it mm -hmm. needs it needs to be on the page first. Um, so yeah, in terms of the what I set out to do, I, I I put all of that in the script. I knew that the the pace and the rhythm and the way you know it was going to implode, and um, I wanted to create this pressure cooker, you know, ticking time bomb uh, film. But uh, and then you know, but at a certain point, it's like once it does, once the balloon does pop, you know, once, once it does explode, then I wanted the pace to then ramp up into a dog fight. Then it's like all hell breaks, breaks loose. That, that family engagement party is like <laughs> one of the most cringeworthy. I, I can't even imagine the embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it was, it was all there in the script and, and, um, and in the planning of, you know, and, in the planning of uh, the direction of it and, and, and how we were, you know, shot listing it and everything that was, that was all there. But I would say from then that process on, then it's just honing, right? So it's just honing that, 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 uh, that intention. Um, every, every stage, you know, past the writing process is just honing it more and more like a bullet. And, uh, you know, that's what I said. I was like, I want this film to really feel like, you know, a bullet and we're going to shape it as much as we can, like a bullet. So then obviously when you get in the edit, you just, you just shape it even more and shape it even more. And, and, um, I, I, you know, I had this expression, you know, throughout, throughout actually, uh, the whole process, which was fuck breath. I was like, we we can't have any breath in this film. I want no air because if you give the film any bit of air or any bit of breath, it just releases tension. And that's not the kind of film that I was creating. I wanted to, from the very beginning, kind of have my hand on the audience's throat and slowly strangle them, you know? Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the very last act, kind of, you know, hit him in the face a bit. <laughs> I like being taken on that kind of a ride as a viewer. I really, really do. Sometimes I watch films that are maybe a little too lax or esoteric or whatever it is, and that has its place. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. there's just something about a provocative film that just sinks its claws deep within you and says, get over here and just takes you on a wild ride that I, I think this movie is thrilling. I think it's there is like this feeling when one is watching it of unpredictability that mm -hmm. anything could happen because the emotions are so high from yeah. these performers. And so yeah. I just thought it was a hell of a great time. I'm <laughs> very, very thrilled and excited that more people are getting a chance to see it. Are you allowed to tell us, and I know it's difficult given circumstances right now, are you allowed to tell us what you have upcoming next in the future when that might be? Um, I'm, you know, I'm, not specifically, but <laughs> but I will say that I'm I'm just excited to keep telling my own stories and making my own films. And, you know, for me, I I want to make 
films that I want to see as an audience member, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, like you, I also like, I like to be taken on a ride. I like to be uh, shocked and moved and mortified, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, just kept on the edge of my seat. But you know, I do think that all of that amounts and, you know, you still need something incredibly kind of piercing to say at the end of that, you know, otherwise that ride to me is, is, is pointless, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just interested in, in, um, in pushing the envelope with stories, but, but, um, you know, still having something, um, kind of spicy to say, so. <laughs> spicy. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> well, Chloe, thank you so much for the time here. Really, really yeah. appreciate it. The yeah. film is called Fair Play, everyone. If you get a chance, please watch it in theaters or on Netflix. It's going to be a limited release on September 29th. And will be followed up by its Netflix release on October 6th. Chloe, I think I speak for everyone who has seen the film and everyone that will see the film because they're all going to say the same thing. We can't wait to see what you have coming up in the future. I think this is a hell of a future directorial debut for you. And just best of luck with everything else going forward. Truly, it's been... It's been really cool to see the journey of this movie since its world premiere. Oh, thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for Fair Play, Chloe DeMond, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Fair Play is now currently playing in limited release from Netflix and will be available to stream on Netflix on October 6th. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.